The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the hosts and creators of this program. This is the Pet Buzz. This is the Pet Buzz. Freshly collected with news, celebrity pet gossip, and the latest pet trends. The Pet Buzz gives you the latest 411 on everything pet related. Everything pet related. Hosted by pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. And here's the Dynamic Pet Duo. You're listening to the Pet Buzz, the ultimate in pet talk radio. I love to talk about my musings for the week. So as you guys know, today, business owners really have to fight for market share. So a few weeks ago, when I went to visit one of my favorite cities for one of my favorite parades, Crew of Barkas, uh, the Mardi Gras parade, I stopped by one of my favorite stores. It's called Chihuahua Gaga. It's right in the heart of the French Quarter. Well, the owners of this store were challenged and they had to change their model of doing business from just a small dog pet store to just a small dog store that creates custom made apparel and other attire for small dogs. And this is really how this little store stayed in business and found new loyal clients like myself. So I love the slogan of the store. It's called a small store for dinky dogs, but really they have sizes from extra, extra small to large. The store is located on Dumaine Street. Uh, it's three minutes from Jackson Square. And really, like I said, it sells these one of a kind pet fashions for Mardi Gras, Halloween and more. Okay, let's start down with our weekly countdown. So in segment four, find out which are the top cat breeds of 2019. In segment three, Dr. Kelly Deal of the Morris Animal Foundation talks new developments regarding spay and neutering our dogs. And in two, this is where we get to dish about celebrities and their pets and talk about flex facts. This week's celebrity gossip is about actors Michael Douglas and his wife, Catherine Zeta-Jones. And in flex facts, we're going to talk about keeping abreast of the litter box. And one, on Thursday, February 20th, Mars Pet Care and the world-renowned Human Animal Bond Research Institute, or Hobry, released a new report that finds pets can play a vital role in helping to address the societal challenges of loneliness and social isolation. And joining us today to discuss the report is Dr. Angela Hughes, DVM, Ph.D., Senior Manager of Global Scientific Advocacy Relations at Mars Pet Care. Dr. Hughes, welcome back to the Pet Buzz. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. This is an important topic, and we are happy to have you return to talk to us about it. So, why did Habre, Mars Pet Care, decide to conduct the survey and report? Well, both um, Mars Pet Care and Habre are advancing the science behind the human-animal interaction and the power that the human-animal bond can take on society's challenges like loneliness and social isolation, and that's what this report really gets to. Interesting. I'm, I'm actually glad Dr. Hughes is here because so many people talk about how their animals fill such a void in their life. And I see it every day with every client that I see with, especially the older clients. Absolutely. So, um, Dr. Angela, talk to us about your, the research group and the studies protocol. Who was involved? How was it done? 
So what we did for the consortium is we brought together a group of experts that have um, high-quality HAI research uh, in mind uh, from the, you know, human healthcare side, from the animal healthcare side, as well as folks involved in the uh, two groups that we focused on primarily being older adults and those with mental health challenges because these two groups suffer quite a bit from social isolation and loneliness, and so we felt that targeting these two groups, we can identify how to best help them through the power of pets. Power of pets. Don't you like that, Dr. Fleck? It's absolutely powerful. I see it, like I say, every day. So what did the survey reveal? So the survey has shown uh, a number of things. We found that loneliness currently affects uh, nearly three in five adults in the United States so almost 60% of the population, as well as 9 million people over in the United Kingdom. So it's quite prevalent um, and across the board. And like I said, we found that two two groups in particular were uh, affected, uh, those that are um, of older generations as well as those with mental health challenges. And so that's where we decided to focus first uh, because we also found in our research that these folks felt that having animals in their life can help them overcome some of their isolation and loneliness. Um, and providing support for that is is ultimately what we would like to demonstrate through the studies and such that we work with this consortium of experts to produce in the future to uh, reveal all of the, the relevant data and the gold standard studies to make this truly happen in, in practice. So we've also found that uh, loneliness has been shown to be as deadly as smoking 15 cigarettes per day, making it a major health concern on the same order as obesity. Wow. That affects the pets, too. And loneliness, pe- lonely people are often more likely to suffer from dementia, heart disease, and depression. So loneliness and, and social isolation really is an entry point to a lot more illnesses and, and um, issues that people can have in their lives. That's unbelievable. All the more reason for us as veterinarians with good medical care to try to extend the life of our pets to help these individuals so their loneliness can be curbed. Wouldn't you say, Doc? Absolutely. It's, like I said, really kind of an entry point to a lot bigger problems. So if we can tackle this issue, hopefully we can impact levels of heart disease, dementia, depression, like I mentioned Oftentimes, obesity people tend to eat when they're when they're lonely or isolated. So, if we can get them interacting with others outside of their um, outside of their homes or uh, interacting with pets and having that again that power of pets to keep them engaged in life and and what they're doing, they can have a much better outcome. Well, it's all about the power of pets. And if you've just joined us, we're talking with Angela Hughes, Senior Manager of Global Scientific Advocacy Relations at Mars Pet Care. So talk to us about some of the barriers to getting more animals involved in therapeutic settings, because I think that would be helpful, too. Yeah, certainly there are a few barriers with getting animals involved. Um, Some of those are uh, finding the right people, knowing for whom uh, and under what exact circumstances interactions with companion animals can be effective in alleviating this isolation and loneliness that they're feeling. Not everyone, um, honestly, is excited to see a dog, unfortunately. I can't imagine that, but some people <laughs> do have fears, um, and so we don't want the, want to put them in a position where uh, they aren't going to do well with it. So we need to understand who those people are and, like I said, how best to approach them. And it might be owning a pet, be it a dog or a cat or even something like a, a fish or a guinea pig, um, 
but not everybody is also set up to care for an animal. So in those circumstances, uh, it could be interaction with a therapy animal brought into, say, a facility or into an area where these folks can, can interact with it. I would even think like this would be great for like a local shelter organization. I'm thinking of one in particular, like I think I've told you it, there used to be a shelter in my neighborhood called Bidaway, and it was a great organization. It was based in New York City in the Hamptons, and they did all sorts of great work. And I, I can see them doing something, getting involved in something like this. Yeah, let's get back to the study, some important features of it. I think there were three main... <laughs> that was rude, Dr. Fleck. I, you know, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, you know, I understand you want to get with it, but I, it was just something I thought of as a place where these people could go and interact. Okay, so now why don't you go ahead and ask your next question? <laughs> See, everyone out there, this is what happens when couples work together. Sometimes they have little spats. Unfortunately, ours is on air. Go ahead. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Dr. Hughes, that was great. Thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. Great. It was really a great interview. And it means so much to me because every day I know you see, I the, see the results of now they're going to have loneliness when they lose their pet. And it isn't just the elderly. It's all different age groups, but particularly with the elderly who maybe have lost a partner in their life. Well, everyone, that was Dr. Angela Hughes, Senior Manager of Global Scientific Advocacy Relations at Mars Pet Care, discussing a new report that finds pets can play a vital role in helping to address the societal challenges of loneliness and social isolation. For more information about this important study, visit the Waltham Pet Care Science Institute at Waltham.com. Up next, we're talking about what celebrities got a new puppy after the death of their beloved family member. And of course, Flex Facts. You don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We would love to communicate with you via social media. Use the Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. I'm pet expert Charlotte Reed, and I want to remind you how important it is to protect your pet against fleas, ticks, and mosquitoes with preventative tablets and topicals. By giving your dogs and cats preventative meds throughout the year, you are protecting your pet from Lyme disease, heartworm, flea allergies, worms, and more, causing unwanted and costly vet bills. Most importantly, these parasites can infiltrate your home, causing you and your family's health to be compromised. Remember, healthy pet healthy you. When your doctor recommended omega fatty acids as a daily supplement, he told you that they promoted better heart, brain, skin, joint, and immune system health. Well, doesn't it make sense for your pet to have the same health benefits? EpiPet Whole Fish Treat, an all-natural smoked fish supplement, is 100% bioavailable, bringing your pets the nutrients they need to keep them healthy and happy. We first heard about EpiPet at our local rescue shelter where our family adopted Lucy, a 10-year-old yellow lab. She was in tough shape, but we noticed within just a few days how soft and thick her coat was getting. She has more energy now, loves to chase her favorite tennis ball, and most importantly, how happy and healthy Lucy is now. We could not be happier. Thanks, EpiPet. To order better pet health for your dog or cat, just visit epi-pet.com. 
That's epi-pet.com. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the Pet Buzz today. This show is hosted by the dynamic pet duo. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. You know, it's really funny because this little celebrity bit of pet news kind of brought me back to my old sitting around with my dad watching movies. I don't know if you know this, but Kirk Douglas just died yes, about I two did. weeks ago, about 103. So after his passing... His son and his wife, Mike Douglas and Catherine Zeta-Jones, added a new addition to the family. The actress announced a few weeks ago via Instagram that the family welcomed a new puppy into her home. Now, the puppy, they didn't name it Spartacus. I will tell you that. They named the puppy Taylor, and he was introduced to the world with a video montage on social media platform Instagram. The adorable canine is a Maltipoo, a cross between a Maltese and a Toy Poodle. In this montage, the puppy is doing all these various activities that puppies do. They sleep in the bed, they play fetch, and they also set all of the activity to the tune of the Teddy Bear's Picnic. Now, I got to tell you, I don't know what the Teddy Bear's Picnic is, but I bet if you have a kid, you probably do know. Well, perhaps the addition of the Cutie Pooch will take their mind off their beloved father, father-in-law, and grandpa. So we wish uh, the Douglas Zeta-Jones family happiness and lots of luck with their new puppy. And now, what you've been waiting for, dun-da-da-da, Flex Facts. Right, Dr. Flex? Absolutely. Welcome to Just the Facts. Just the Facts. Fact or fiction? Just the Facts, ma'am. You want answers! I want the truth! It's going to take a long You got the time. So what are we going to talk about today? Litter boxes. Litter boxes. Okay, any particular thing about litter boxes? There's a lot of particular things about litter boxes, but people don't recognize it unless you have a cat. Which we do. Which we do. That the litter box can be a vehicle for you to determining if the cat has a disease. Wow, that's actually, or just sick in general, right? Or just sick in general. Okay, so what's the first thing we need to know about litter boxes? I mean... They got to be kept clean and fresh smelling. Oh, clean. Okay, so clean and fresh smelling. That doesn't mean, because a lot of cats don't like the additives that, like the fragrance that's put in the litter box. You really just kind of mean clean and fresh, right? Clean and fresh. That's absolutely right. That's why I brought that up. Because if they don't have a clean and fresh litter box, what could they do? They could be urinating on the floor, on the carpet, every place else. Wow. Okay. (laughs) So why is it important to keep an eye on your litter box? Well... Think in terms of if you're changing your litter box on a daily basis, which is what we recommend, that if you notice that there's a lot more liquid in the, in the litter box, if the, if there's, if the stool doesn't have the normal form, that could be an indication of maybe a urinary tract problem or maybe a GI tract problem. Okay. So we need to pay attention to the litter box because it could be the poop or the, just the way it is maintained. If maybe there's nothing in it could be indicative that there is a feline health problem, correct? A feline health problem, and you mentioned the poop, but maybe even more important is the urine. Okay. Why is it so important to pay attention to the urine? Well, particularly if you've had male cats before or you know about somebody that's had male cats, many of them have been lost 
because of urinary blockage. I had that with two cats. Yes. And I will tell you, it's really expensive to treat. Well, not only the expense, but think of the the displeasure and the discomfort and the pain that exactly. that cat has to go through before it passes okay. on. Okay. So then other than paying attention to the urine and the poop in the box, should you sneak peek on your cat when he's going to the bathroom? You should try to do that on a regular basis, even if there is no issues that you're recognizing. Because if you think about it, just think about common sense. If you're looking at your cat, it's spending a lot of time urinating and it's straining or it's straining to pass pool poop, mm-hmm. then there may be an issue that you need to have attention from the vet. Yeah. Now, the other thing I was going to say, and you brought this up a few times to clients, I've heard you say this, it's always a little harder when you have more than one cat in the home because you don't know which cat is straining unless you obviously watch him. Makes it much more difficult to recognize who has the problem. How many times do they come in and they'll say, well, I don't know what that poop, which, which cat provided that poop. So do you think it's a good idea maybe when you first get if you adopt an older cat or even a kitten, to really try to assign each cat a litter box? Because we know each cat should have a litter box. That That is correct. But, of course, the behavior of cats are which litter box are they going to use? So are we being able to monitor specifically a particular cat? But at least have an attempt to have one litter box per cat in the house. Okay. Yeah, I would think so. And then, you know, the other thing that I always find really interesting that people do is this. I find that they take the whole bag of litter or the whole box or jug of litter. And then what they do is they dump it in the litter box. Mm -hmm. And then all of the soil from like the first cat Mm -hmm. going in there to use it, it just Mm -hmm. contaminates all the litter. But I always recommend to everybody that you should change your litter box every day. Okay. But that can be... Even even those that, that have the litter that you can scoop, it still should be changed every day. So consequently, you don't need to put the whole bag of litter in the box. Okay, I got gotcha. you. You should put a small amount in, enough for the... Like the floor cover yeah, of the litter so box? Yeah, so that the cover. cat recognizes it's in the sandbox, and it can get in there and play and move things around when it passes stool or urine. But then that should be changed every day. And if you think about it, by changing it every day, you're eliminating that potential of any kind of infection that comes from the stool or the urine. Yeah, and that way you have a better idea of you're monitoring who, better right who's doing what well that's really fascinating i mean I, I think it's great and it also helps keep down the odor because once that litter gets soiled it's soiled i mean just another question and and i'm sure you, you can well, answer this but, but think about the behavior of cats you know we don't see them all the time they right. hide they, they go off and do their own thing so this is one way that we can monitor about their health other than their eating habits for example so if 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 your cat's acting a little bit peculiar, really monitor that litter box. Okay. I was going to ask you how much, I mean, you know, obviously if your cat has a litter box problem or he has an infection, a urinary a urinary tract infection, mm-hmm. that can be really expensive. Like what kind of, what do they do for that? What's the treatment? Well, generally speaking, it depends on the veterinarian's approach and their protocol for diagnosis. But maybe if it's the first time uh, you'll collect some urine, you'll do a chemistry on the urine and it doesn't appear to be plugged or anything, uh, doesn't appear to on uh, palpation to have stones or crystals. So you may treat it for three weeks because it's a long-term treatment, not right. just a week treatment. So you'll treat it for three weeks, and then you'll recheck. And if you start still have issues, then 
the protocol may be now we take x-rays, now we do blood work so it can become very expensive. Yeah, very expensive. I mean, we're talking about 500 bucks maybe. And so consequently, when the doctor does go with the treatment protocol, please, please follow that protocol because the cats are very sensitive about their urinary tract. And if you don't follow that protocol, you can get a relapse very easily, which also brings up another point. The other point is that how do you manage this? Well, one of the best ways to manage it is with diet. Diet. That actually, well, let's end it right there because we have to move on. But always, Dr. Fleck, you always give us lots of great advice and things to think about. And also, you know what I love when we do these Flex Facts? We always talk about price. We want consumers to have some idea of what things cost because this way, prevention is the best form of not bleeding your wallet dry. I mean, you're talking (laughs) at least hundreds of dollars, but if you don't take care of it properly, thousands of dollars. And that's the Flex Facts for the week. Well, more of the pet buzz very soon. Bet you can't wait for my I Likey of the Week. My name is Mike Ruiz, and I was born and raised in Montreal, Canada, and now I live in New Jersey. The thing that made me fall in love with Oliver was the very first time I met him, he was being fostered by a friend of mine whom I was visiting. I opened the door to my friend's house, and Oliver came running up to me, sat at my feet, and looked up at me with the most beautiful, big, brown, soulful eyes. And within 24 hours, I had filled out all the paperwork, and Oliver was my son. I've experienced a lot of discrimination with Oliver. We would walk down the street, and people would literally cross the street. We you know when they would see us coming, you know, they saw like a menacing pit bull type dog. I just found it so baffling because Oliver was the sweetest, gentlest creature that I've ever met in my entire life. Sadly, I lost Oliver in August of 2018. I wanted to commemorate him in a way that was very meaningful. So I got this tattoo of him. It's just such an amazing thing. Knowing that I carry him in my heart, I now carry him on my arm. My name is Mike Ruiz and Oliver and I are individuals. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. Here at the Pet Buzz, we're urban, suburban, and country. country. And now for my I Likey of the Week. That's the way it has to be, because that's the way I like it. It's genius. I like it. I love it so much. I like it. It's to die for. I like it. It's all about the slim paws. I don't know if you guys know this, but about 56% of all dogs are overweight. Or they're obese, which is about 56 million dogs in the United States. That's a lot of fatties out there. And you guys know that overweight dogs end up having a lot of problems or health problems similar to humans. They can be, have joint problems. They can be, become diabetic. We got to get our dogs thinner. Okay. So Slim Paws. It's a new supplement that has a proprietary active ingredient that actually stops the conversion of food to fat. In clinical studies, dogs lost an average over 20% body fat while taking Slim Paws once a day for 12 weeks. You just got to give it to your dog in the morning and watch the pounds melt away over a period of time. It's easy enough. And Slim Paws is the perfect first step in a lifestyle change for your dog. Hey, the spring is coming. You want your dog to be thinner and fit. Okay? Slim Paws is available in March at PetSmart locations. So check it out at slimpaws.com. 
So now let's bring on my next guest. Well, you know, February is nationally recognized as Spay and Neuter Awareness Month. In recent years, there have been some debate about when to spay and or neuter your dog. So joining us today is Dr. Kelly Deal of the Morris Animal Foundation to talk about new developments regarding spaying and neutering our dogs. Dr. Deal, thank you so much for joining us on the Pet Buzz today. It's great to be on. Thanks, Charlotte. Thanks, Dr. Fleck, for having me here. Great. Hey, just as a quick review, what are the risks and benefits of spaying our dogs? Right. Well, um, some of the risks that we often hear about is, of course, um, breast cancer in dogs. And so spaying a dog at an early age really helps decrease that likelihood. We know that, um, you know, we can get rid of our, or use spay and neuter to treat some behavior problems that we see in dogs. So, again, um, roaming behaviors, some of the behaviors we're probably all familiar with that dogs do when they're um, intact males or females, you know, those are some of the benefits. Some of the risks, though, I think we're recognizing more are, for sure, do they have health outcomes that we don't didn't know about maybe years ago when we started to change recommendations on spaying and neutering? And or do have we recognized them? There's been buzz about um, cancer, and you know, does spaying or neutering change cancer risk? Does it change other health outcomes? Um, as well as some behaviors show up because we we spay and neuter. Of course, one big benefit that we all know is pet overpopulation is a problem. Unwanted pregnancy, of course, is one reason that we spay and neuter our pets. Well, that was some great information. I'm glad we had the opportunity to review that because I think we all need to hear that every so often, especially population control with animals. Well, you know, Dr. Deal, for years we've been taught that spaying or neutering our dogs is part of being a responsible owner. But why is it important to learn about new developments regarding spay and neuter? Right. And uh, you're right about that. I think we've heard a lot of messages about, again, responsible pet ownership. But I also think we want to do the best for our animals. And having all the information available to us to make the most informed decisions is really important. And that's why, you know, the spay-neuter question keeps coming up. People keep looking at it so that we can, again, make the very best decisions for our individual pets based on maybe our lifestyle, the pet itself, what their job is going to be, you know, as our as our companion. And, um, you know, there, there's still a lot of thirst for knowledge to, again, make those best decisions. Very appropriate. So recently the Morris Animal Foundation conducted a study providing some new information about when to spay or to neuter large breed dogs, and how sterilization might affect their health. So can you tell us how the study was conducted and or what were the protocols? Sure. So I'm going to take a step back for just a second and tell you about our Golden Retriever Lifetime Study, which was the study that we drew this little nested um, paper out of. And this study is massive. It's more, just a little over 3,000 golden retrievers. Wow. That were, I know, it's a lot, <laughs> 3,044 to be exact, were enrolled between six months of age and, and two years of age. And they had to have a three-generation pedigree that was available to us. 
and obviously some pretty dedicated owners and veterinarians who were willing to do yearly questionnaires. They collect biologic samples for us. These folks have to go online, and it's a 100-page questionnaire that the owners fill out every year on their dogs, everything from their lifestyle to what they're eating to where they travel to, and then the veterinarians fill out all the health data. And that study is ongoing. It's probably going to take 14 or 15 years, and we're just watching these dogs. It's not what we would call an interventional study because we're not telling anybody what to do. The dogs live their lives, and it's more observational. So anyway, we've got this study running, and all of our dogs were are about an average age of seven years of age. So they were above four years of age when our epidemiologist said, hey, you know, there's a lot of questions out there about timing up spaying and neutering. And I think it might be, we've got this great study group, so let's take a look, right? Let's join this conversation because there's a lot of controversy about it and a lot of emotion. And so we went ahead and she pulled out all the dogs and looked at them. And in particular, she was interested in two outcomes, which was incidence of obesity and timing of spay and neuter, which is the question that's been out there, I think, a long time, as well as a newer question, which is this idea that their larger breed dogs might be more prone to ligament um, and tendon injuries depending on the time they were spayed or neutered. So that was basically kind of the protocol and methodology we just looked at our cohort and pulled out all of that data. I mean, it's so many interests. I mean, can you imagine all those golden retrievers? That's a lot. That's <laughs> I mean, we lot. have a golden retriever, but I'm just, I'm just sitting here thinking like, wow, there's so many golden retrievers. You okay. Know, we could point out they reduced the variables in a study by just using golden retrievers. Isn't that right? Yes, absolutely. And that is one of the pros and cons, right? Of this particular study is, um, you know, are what we find going to be applicable to other breeds. And at its core, the Golden Retriever Lifetime Study is a cancer study. And I think anyone who owns a Golden Retriever understands they have a high risk for cancer, higher than other breeds of dogs, um, which was why we chose that particular breed. However, what this little nested study looked at was uh, one of the power, part of the power of the study, which is we can look at everything, right? Other outcomes, not just cancer. If you've just joined us, we're talking with veterinarian Kelly Deal about when to spay and to neuter your dog. So in terms of outcomes, what other outcomes? What did, what else did we determine from the study? We were interested in obesity. And what we found was that no matter what age a dog was spayed or neutered at, when you try to equilibrate all the other factors, right, lifestyle and things, that they were more prone to being obese than dogs that were intact. Um, And that held across all the age categories that we looked at. We also are learning a lot more about the effect of sex hormones on ligament and bone development. Like how much hormone do you need to be exposed to as a large breed dog to have development of your ligament and bones versus a small breed? And that's one thing I think the veterinarian can have a conversation with the owner. Well, that's such great information. It is great information. Dr. Deal, thank you so much for joining us today on the Pet Buzz. 
Oh, thanks so much for having me on. It was really fun to talk about this study. Well, everyone, that was Dr. Kelly Deal from the Morris Animal Foundation discussing new developments in spay and neutering large breed dogs. To learn more about this study, visit morrisanimalfoundation.org. Global Pet News is next. Just so you know, Trump is cutting security dog teams. Just wait till you find out what I have to say. But first, let's take a commercial break. Does your pet have dry, flaky, and itchy skin? Do you find yourself visiting the veterinarian repeatedly because Fido or Fluffy has skin allergies or ear infections? I love animals and want my pets to be healthy. So I asked our vet who recommended EpiPet Ear Cleaner. It's super simple, and it even smells good. Every week I use it on both my dog and my cat to gently remove wax and debris. I even told my friend Aiden to try EpiPet on his dog Sophie, who always had red ears. But not anymore. Now we both have happy and healthy pets. Thanks, EpiPet. Developed by a veterinarian, EpiPet is a revolutionary, high-performance skin and ear care product line made with the finest natural ingredients. EpiPet, for you and your pet, means better pet health. For more information, visit epi-pet.com. I'm petronologist Charlotte Reed. I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We're urban, suburban, and and country. And now, Pet Buzz News from around the globe. Depending on who you talk to, they're fans of our president, but not a fan of this latest cut. If the president gets his way, New Yorkers could see, as well as others, could see fewer bomb-sniffing dogs at the city's airports and train stations. It seems that Trump's proposed 2021 budget released to Congress more than a few weeks ago also included plans to eliminate a program that deploys dog teams to detect explosives at crowded travel hubs across the country. So last year's budget allocated for more than $59 million for 31 of the dog units formerly called Visible Intermodal Prevention and Response Teams. Trump wants to slash those figures to zero. Most state and local enforcement agencies already monitor and maintain jurisdiction in these areas so that the VIPR team's work is absolutely unnecessary. In addition, the White House feels that VIPR team's performance measures fail to articulate program effectiveness and lack of demonstrable results. So many senators, including Senator Chuck Schumer, feel that they were blindsided by the proposal and vowed to fight for funding for the dog teams. For example, the NYPD and the Metropolitan Transportation Authority both employ specialized dog teams to help crack down on explosives. But Schumer says that the ones deployed by the federal government are better equipped to handle the job. Dogs aren't the only target of national security that the White House proposes to cut this year. The budget also contains $84 million in cuts to Transportation Security Administration staffers who monitor access to secure areas of airports. The administration would prefer to see these responsibilities of these jobs shifted to private airline operators. Under the proposal, state and local governments would also lose $46 million worth of grants used to beef up 
airports and security. Those grants were created in the aftermath of the September 11th terror attacks. Schumer notes that he feels that these cuts are pushing the cost on the states. He also remarks that terror threats are of national security and New York and other big cities and transit hubs should not be shouldering the brunt of these security costs. What do you think? Let us know. Send us an email at team at the petbuzz.com. So let's move forward with global news to bring you our next and last guest. And now we're moving on from global pet news to bring you our next and last guest. You know, the Cat Fanciers Association, CFA, the world's largest registry of pedigree cats, has recently announced their most popular cat breeds for 2019, according to the number of cats that were registered throughout the year. So joining us today to talk about the top cat breeds is Mark Hannon, president of the Cat Fanciers Association. Well, hello, Mark. Thanks so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for calling, Charlotte. Happy to be with you. So, And I'm a big cat lover. A lot of people think of me as a dog person. They don't know that I, I have uh, Himalayans and that I've showed cats. So it's always fun to have someone from Cat Fanciers here, especially the president. Okay. So, Mark, thank you. why purchase or rescue a purebred cat? Well, a purebred cat has predictable characteristics and appearance, personality, etc. You know when you get an Abyssinian, for example, it's going to have a certain appearance. It's going to be a very active cat. It's going to be energetic. It's going to want to follow you around the house. If you get a, a Persian, you know it's going to be a more laid-back cat that's happy sitting on the couch with you watching television. Whereas if you get a random bred cat, you're really not sure what the personalities be like because you don't know the background of the cat. You don't know what's behind it. So what's the most popular breed this year? And why is this particular breed so popular? Well, we, we have uh, statistics worldwide as well as in the United States. Worldwide, the uh, most popular breed of cat is the ragdoll. The uh, ragdoll is a pointed cat, which is similar to color-wise to like a Siamese, in that it's got uh, a white body, but it's got color on it, its face, its ears, its tail. They also come with, with some white on the face, a bicolor. It's a very large cat. It can be 15 to 20 pounds. Uh, it's a laid-back cat. It's particularly popular in Asia. It's uh, by far the number one breed in China. Over half the cats that are bred in China and registered with CFA are ragdolls. But in the United States, it's not as popular. The most popular breed in the United States is the Persian. Persian is, is, is a cat that's laid back, but it requires a lot more grooming. The ragdoll is a semi-long hair, and, and it can be self-sufficient, whereas the Persian, its coat's going to mat up and not. If you give it a daily combing, wash its face, and what have you. So it's a really interesting. In past years, the Abyssinian was number one, but it's dropped down to eighth place. Why so far? Well, CFA was formed in 1906, and the Abyssinian was one of the original six breeds of cats. So it's been around a long time. Uh, it came from Southeast Asia, presumably from some people that were traveling and brought back with them uh, from their travels. But as we've accepted more breeds, we now accept 45 breeds, people's interests have gone on to some of the other breeds. It's a very active cat, and that isn't conducive to everybody's lifestyle. You know, some people prefer a cat that, that's going to be interacting with them, but others prefer something that's going to be more laid back and let them get on with their lives. Right. I understand that. You know, it's really interesting when you start looking at these breeds and you look at history. So 
Is it true that the third place winner, the British Shorthair, can trace his history or ancestry all the way back to domestic cats of Rome? Yes, it can. Wow. And, and it came to this country with the early settlers that came over from England. Uh, they were, they're known as good hunters. And on the ships, they had rats and they needed these cats to keep the rat population down. So they came over from the earliest days of Jamestown and, you know, Williamsburg and that sort of thing. They've been here ever since. Wow. It's really kind of cool when you start studying and learning a little bit of history about the breeds. Okay. Last question. What other breeds are in the top 10? Well, in the top 10, we've, we've got the exotic is one of the most popular breeds. The exotic is a short hair version of the Persian. It's got the face and the body of the Persian, the personality of the Persian, but it's got a short, thick coat, so it doesn't require all the grooming of the long hair Persian. Maine Coon is, a, is one of our top breeds. The Maine Coon is a domestic cat that was found in New England just sort of roaming around the forest. Uh, they, they have a long coat. They sort of had to grow the coat to put up with the winter and the snow up in New England. Sure. And it's been perpetuated ever since. What about the, the Devon Rex? Is, uh, <laughs> no, I'd be happy to talk about that one. The Devon Rex is, is a short, curly-coated cat with a pixie-looking face that reminds you of that movie E.T. Uh, they were, there was one born on a farm in Devonshire, England, so from that one cat. And we've had a number of breeds like that have had that happen, where there was one cat that just sort of showed up out of nowhere with some unique features, and they were able to, to keep it going. Great. Well, Mark, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much. Well, everyone, that was Mark Hannon, president of the Cat Fanciers Association, discussing the most popular breed of cats, so for more information about the Cat Fanciers Association, check out CFA.org. Dr. Fleck, and I'm sure you're going to admit it's always too soon to wrap the show. Oh, my gosh. It's already time? I know. But before we go, we want to give you a preview for next week's show. So next week, we're going to talk about Trump's new budget and how it affects security nationwide. We're going to talk about how to start a blog with your pet for enjoyment as well as to make some cash and the new products, the newest products to hit the market from Global Pet Expo. So who do we have to give special thanks to? Oh, special thanks to our guests this week, Dr. Angela Hughes, Dr. Kelly Deal, and Mark Hannon. And of course, we must always thank our sponsors, the Animal Medical Center of Bradenton, and EpiPet, making better skin, coat, and ear care products for healthier pets everywhere. And also the Red Barn in Bradenton, as yes. well as the Red Barn in Normandy Isles in Miami. The Pet Vet in Normandy Isle. What if one of our listening audience has a question? What do they do? Just write us at team at thepetbuzz.com. Of course, and we'll cover it on next week's show. And if you've missed any portion of this show, visit our social media channels as well as your favorite streaming channels and listen to the linked podcast on Monday morning. But most importantly, just remember we're here each week to help you take better care of your pet. Peace out and pet love. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Pet Buzz. The Pet Buzz is hosted by the dynamic pet duo, pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. Tune in each week for the latest 411 on everything pet related. Visit our website at www.thepetbuzz.com. Learn more about us, the show, and our guests.